Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you, Father God, for this opportunity we have to get together, Father God, worship you, hear from you. Father God, we ask you in the name of Jesus for your anointing. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm asking you for eyes that hear, I'm saying eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that are open and receptive. Show us things in your word, Lord, that we have not seen before and things that we have seen. We're asking that you make it more clear and more real to us than it ever has been. Show us how to practically apply this word that we hear to our lives today. Speak through me, use me, have your way in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Go to Galatians chapter 2 with me, Galatians chapter 2. We started a series a few weeks ago that we're calling Forsaken Identity, and we're talking about the life we die to and who we are now in Christ. We are in Christ. You know, we said that many people, many Christians are dealing with a, a case of mistaken identity. What do I mean by that is that they're wrongfully fighting the fight of faith with the old man and not with the person that they, uh, that they are now in Christ. They're, they're trying to resurrect who they forsook and live their Christian life with that old man. And, uh, you know, so this is important that we, we know this, that we get this. It's important that we understand who we are now in Christ. Amen. You know, it, it's important that we know it and have this knowledge, but what's even more important is that we do this word because the Bible says that it's not just the hearers of the word, but it's the doers of the word that get blessed. You don't get blessed just by hearing it. I mean, there is a blessing in the hearing, but there is a blessing when you do it, when you do the word. James, the book of James, he actually likens uh, a person who hears the word and not doing it to a man who looks in a mirror. And when he looks in the mirror, he forgets what he looks like. So what does that mean? When you look in the mirror, usually the mirror is identifying something that needs to change. Usually when you wake up in the morning, right, you wake up, your hair is crazy or whatever it may be. I don't have hair, but it needs to be shaven, you know. So it's identifying something to me that needs to change the mirror, right? I look in it like, oh, but if I leave the mirror and start doing something else, I forgot what it identified to me that needs to be changed in my life. Well, that is what the Word of God is. And that's what the Bible says. That's what James says, is that when we look into the Word of God and we walk away from it and we're not a hearer, or we're just a hearer and not a doer, we deceived ourselves. But the person who looks into the perfect law of liberty and does the word of God, this is the person that is blessed. Not just the hearers, the doers of the word of God are blessed. Say, I am a doer of the word of God. See, the, the people that do the word of God, these are the blessed people. So uh, what, what we're finding out is how do we be a doer of what we're learning right now, identifying with who we are in Christ. We want to identify and have the knowledge of who we are in Christ so we can be a doer of this word, okay? Because if you don't have the knowledge of this in this area, you, don't, you can't have faith. You can't have faith for something that you don't have knowledge for. 
Where knowledge stops, faith stops. If you don't have knowledge of an area in the Word of God, you know, you can't have faith for that area. That's in anything. And this is the way we live our lives is now by faith. You know, we got saved and born again because we heard the Word of God, we believed it, and we received the Word of God. And we confessed Jesus as Lord, and we received him in our heart. That was all by faith. Well, Colossians 2, 6 says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the way you received him is how you walk in him, rooted and established in the faith. So walking by faith is something that we have to do all the days of our life. Somebody said, is there ever a time where I'm not going to have to walk by faith? (laughs) What's the answer to that? No. You have to walk by faith from the time you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night. Right? Because there's a lot of things in life that happen in a day. You wake up, you have some pressures, some weights coming against you, some things trying to come against you. By faith, you have to cast your cares on the Lord. You have to do that by faith. Right? You get out into the street, you know, and you're on your way to work, and there's some crazy people that get in the way, that cut you off, and maybe they, they you know, they wave at you with a, a finger that they probably shouldn't be or whatever. Well, by faith, you have to choose to walk in love with that person, right? You have to choose to be kind. You have to choose to be patient. That's what the Bible says, right? This is all by faith. You don't do this because you feel like it. If you wait for your feelings to tell you how to live, man, you're going to be a, a, a yo-yo Christian. You're going to be a roller coaster Christian, up and down Christian. It's all by faith. We live this life by faith. Amen? I mean, and, and, and what we're learning about is our identity in Christ. We learned last week that we've been redeemed from the law of sin and death, that we've been made free from the law of sin and death. And if you don't know that, that you've been set free from the law of sin and death, well, you can't exercise your faith in that area if you don't even know that, right? Uh, you know, so you can't have faith. You say, where do you get that? Well, Romans 10, 14, it says, how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Okay? So it, it, uh, it requires faith. Faith is necessary. Faith is important in every area of our lives. So last week... Just to review, we talked about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Man, that was good. I don't know if you, if you missed it, it'll be on YouTube. I don't know if it is already. It'll be on our website. But we are no longer bound by the law of sin and death. We have been made free by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And just like the law of sin and death is a law at work that was holding us captive, that was holding us bound to sin, like gravity was pulling us downward, now because we are born again, we have been set free, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has lifted us up, supersedes the law of sin and death, and has thrust us forward free 
so that we're no longer bound from, uh, to the law of sin and death. And that's, man, I'm still excited about that. Amen? So it, it, that's good news. And if you are bound to sin, if there are some sins that you are still in bondage to, well, that's because you gave into them and gave into the temptation time and time again. Because now you are free from them. You have the power to be free from them. But, but again, it requires faith. And if you don't even know that, man, you could feel hopeless. You can feel in, bound, in bondage to sin. You know, you could feel powerless if you don't know that you are free from sin and that you are dead to sin. Sin no longer has dominion over you. Sin no longer has power over you. So this is important that we know this so we can release our faith in this area. But this will help you, what we're talking about here, this will help you identify what is from God and what is not from God, okay? When something is causing you to be bound, something is causing you to have torment, that is not from God. God is not going to cause something in your life that causes bondage, that causes torment. You know what I mean by that? You're just like, man, I just, I'm stuck here. There's something's tormenting me. It could be fear, anxiety, any of those things. That is not from God. The Bible says that uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Spirit of the Lord is going to lead you into a place of freedom, free of things that are holding you down, free of things that the enemy is trying to bind you with, that is trying to keep you captive with, that is trying to keep you in bondage to. The Spirit of the Lord is going to free you. He's going to lead you into a place of freedom. Jesus said in John 6, 63, he said, the Spirit uh, is life. The Spirit is life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. If it's not causing life in you, it's not causing freedom in you, then it's not God. And that's how you can identify when something is deception, when, when there's no truth, uh, when there is no life in it, that's not from God. You know, when you leave a, a place preaching or teaching that you hear and it causes you to feel more bound and more down about your situation and you feel hopeless, like there's no vision, there's no way out of this, I can't do it, that's not God. When it does, when it takes faith out of you instead of putting faith in you, that's not from God. When you leave, you're like, man, I feel defeated. I feel like I can't overcome. That's not God. That's how you know when something is not truth. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. They're going to cause a life in you. You're going to leave there saying, man, I can overcome. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is not going to keep me defeated. I'm going to overcome this. And that's why you got to be careful. So many teachings nowadays, man, they want to, you know, narrow the Bible down to what is applicable to us to like one or two books in the Bible. They're like, well, that wasn't for us, and this wasn't for us, and that's not for us today, and this is not for us. Well, he meant this when he was saying, speak to the mountain. He's not talking about circumstances. Pretty soon you leave like, well, man, do I have anything in the Bible to go to that gives me faith for any of my circumstances that I'm facing? See, when it's that type of teaching, that's religious tradition, and that's what the enemy wants. He wants religion taught so that people are powerless in their lives. 
so that they have no power to overcome the situations that they're facing that are from him. He's bringing these situations, and then he tries to deceive you, saying, well, that part of the word of God, that doesn't apply to you. And so he's trying to take faith out of you so that you can defeat him with the situations that he's brought you. But not us. We're we're not going to be deceived. Amen? But let's get into another thing that we have... uh, forsook. Go to John chapter 3, please. John chapter 3, another part of our old sin nature that we have been set free from. If it's, a, if it's from the Spirit of God, if it is from the Word of God, there will always be a component of faith involved and, and life-giving spirit involved, Okay? But John chapter 3, in verse 3, we'll start. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these things that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, he's, he's genuinely asking this. Uh, you know, see, the thing is, Nicodemus is thinking natural. He's trying to hear uh, spiritual reality, spiritual truths, he's trying to figure it out with his five physical senses. But you can't figure out the things of God, spiritual truths and reality, with the five physical senses. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God, the things of God, because they're foolish to him. He can't know them, it says, because they are spiritually discerned. They are spiritually understood. They are spiritually grasped. You can't grasp spiritual truths with your five physical senses. Amen? And that's why you have to be careful even trying to convince people who are not saved, who are not born again, of spiritual truths. You have to be careful of trying to convince them with only natural reasons and only natural evidence because these things are spiritually understood. You can debate with somebody. You can argue with somebody. You can give them all type of natural evidence, natural reasoning for the existence of God and why God is real, and they will be no closer to getting saved than when you started because it is the spirit that gives life. See, it's the spirit of a man that needs to be reached. Their spirit needs to be touched first. Their mind is not renewed. Get their spirit made alive unto God first, then their mind can be renewed. They're spiritually dead. They can't understand spiritual things if they're spiritually dead. And this is a trick of the enemy where I've had people say to me before, you know, we have to try to convince people that God is real without the Bible without the Word of God. And they they mean well when they're saying it. They're Christians. They've told me that before, and I understand what they're saying, but you can't do that. You can't reach the intellect of man with spiritual principles and think it's going to give, without spiritual reality, and think that it's going to breathe life into them. 
You cannot breathe life into somebody by giving them intellectual things. Paul said that he didn't speak with enticing words of man's wisdom, but he gave demonstration of the power of the Spirit. See, it's the Spirit that gives life, not philosophical words of men. That doesn't cause life in a person. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, if you go into town and they don't receive you, he says, shake the very dirt off your feet as a testimony against them. That means move it right along. That means just keep going. Don't even waste your time. Because if they're not open and their mind is closed to you, they can't receive it. But if they're open to you, if they're receptive, if they're like, man, there's something about God that's real, and they're open to it, then you can use the Word of God. And that Holy Spirit will illuminate them, and it'll bring life into them. But if they're closed off to you, you're wasting your time. We got to be careful about that. Trying to reach spiritually dead people with natural things, it doesn't work. Amen? It's, the Bible says it's with the heart that man believes unto righteousness, not with the head. Faith is in your heart. Faith is, is, uh, is of the spirit, not, the, not your head. But let's continue reading. Uh, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. What is Jesus talking about here? He is distinguishing between spirit and flesh. He is talking about there is a life that comes from flesh, and there is a life that comes from spirit. Or there is a, you could say it this way, there is a life or nature that comes from the flesh, and there is a life or nature that comes from the spirit. This is what he's talking about. This word born here, where he says you must be born again, that same word is also translated begat or begotten. And you'll see that in the King James uh, more, in the King James Version, it says begat or begotten. Let me read a couple verses here. 1 John 5, 1 says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loves him that begat loves him also that is begotten of him. You see that begat, begotten. 1 Corinthians 14 Paul says, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. What is he talking about? He's saying their spiritual condition, the, the condition now that they're saved, was given birth through Paul. It came from Paul. He is now their, if you will, their father in the faith because they heard the gospel through him. They got saved. He gave birth if you will. He begotten them in the faith. This is what he's talking about. You'll see this in the Bible where it says, so-and-so begat so-and-so. You've seen that before? The genealogy, so-and-so begat so-and-so. Or, or I, uh, Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat Judah and so on and so forth. Newer translations actually say father. 
father. They'll say Abraham fathered Isaac, Isaac fathered Jacob, Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers, and so on. Okay? So why does it say that? Most of the time when you see that begat, begotten is talking about the father. The father is the begatter, if you will. The father is the one that begats. Okay? I know it's King James English, but stay with me. I'm going somewhere, all right? So many times in word that is talking about the father, like I just referenced. Man, if we just if the world just understood this, there'd be no confusion. You know, men and women, there's the, the seed is in the father. The seed is in the man, okay? But why is this important? Because Jesus said, Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Why is Jesus saying you must be born again? What does that mean? You must be born again. See, we, we hear, if you're a Christian, you've heard that phrase born again so much, so often. You know, people say, are you born again? Yeah, I'm born again. Are you born again? Yeah, I'm born again. We're all born again. And it can sound like it's a synonymous term with Christian. And yes, to be a Christian, you have to be born again, but we can miss the significance of what born again means by often repeating something and not really understanding what it says, what it means. Jesus said, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. You could read it like this, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be begot again. Or marvel not that I said unto you, you must be fathered again. See, what Nicodemus didn't understand is that Jesus is speaking spiritually. Not natural, but the spiritual is just as real as the natural. So why does a person need to be begot again or fathered again? Because the first time when you were fathered, you were fathered wrong. The first time when we were fathered spiritually, we were spiritually fathered wrong. We were begotten wrong. We were, there's two families in the earth. There's a father, there's a family of Satan, the devil, and there's a family of God. And so there, you came, you were either begotten of God or begotten of the devil. But when we first all came into this earth, we came, spiritually speaking, our father was the devil. Go with me to John 8. This is the spiritual condition that we were birthed into. We were birthed into the wrong spiritual condition. John 8, Jesus is in a heated debate with the Pharisees. These are the religious leaders, most you know, religious leaders of his day, and they are disputing with Jesus about his testimony of who he's claiming to be, okay? About Jesus is claiming who he is, and he's saying who his father is, and they're debating with him about that. And in John 8, starting in verse 37, it says, I know, I'm reading from the King James Version, I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I've seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. Who is he talking about here? They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I've heard of God. This did not Abraham. 
You do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Man, Jesus didn't mess around. He was very direct. He said, you're of your father, the devil. Man, you say that to people today, they're like, oh, get offended, you know, we live in an offended society. But this is a spiritual truth, and it's a reality. It's not fun to look at, but it is the truth that there are two spiritual families in the earth. You're either in the family of God or in the family of the devil. There are two spiritual conditions in this earth, two spiritual conditions in this earth. And so it doesn't matter if your parents were saved and they were born again and they went to church all the time. Just because you're born in their home, that doesn't make you born again. That doesn't mean that God is your father. And that's what they're trying to say. There's, these religious leaders were claiming that their father is God because of who their natural father was. Their great, 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 great grandfather Abraham. They're saying, hey, no, we're born of, we're, we're children of God. Jesus said, no, you're of your father, <laughs> the devil. And notice he says, the lust or the desires of your father you will do. Why? Because that is their sin nature. That is the nature of people who are not born again. Uh, let me read this. You don't have to turn there. But Ephesians 2.1, it says, And you hath he made alive or quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. They were doing the things, the, the lust of the flesh, all these desires. And he says, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. If there is children of disobedience, then there has to be a father of disobedience. Verse 3, uh, I'm going to continue reading. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. Why did we used to live this way? Why did we used to conduct ourselves this way when we were bound to sin? Because that was the nature of our father. That nature was breathed into us. That nature became our nature because of what one man did, Adam. Romans 5.19, because of one man's sin, everyone became sinners. We became sinners because of what Adam did. And so that nature was now birthed in us, okay? That's why you have to be born again. So there are two spiritual fathers in this earth. So you could also say that means that there are two spiritual seeds in the world. See, when Adam disobeyed God and he ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what happened was he received he believed and received the words of Satan, the words of the serpent. Words are seeds. When he received the serpent's word, 
That seed was birthed in him, was conceived in him. And man became children of the devil because of what one man, Adam, did. The, the Bible really is about two, two men, the Adam and then what the New Testament calls Jesus, it calls him the second Adam. What Adam did to cause this, and then what Jesus did to cause this new life we have now. That's what the Bible is about. I mean, and if really you really want to get into the studying of it, what Jesus did in the Gospels is that he came and he revealed who the Father was. Paul, in his writings, the Holy Spirit through him, revealed who we are now in relationship to the Father. You see, the revelation of who we are came through Paul, the Holy Spirit through Paul, but in his writings. So you see here that every, now every seed produces after its own kind, okay? Every seed produces after its own kind. And so Adam's offspring produce children of disobedience because of receiving the seed of Satan, the word of Satan. So this is why we have to be fathered again. This is why we have to be born again. You guys staying with me? Follow me? So how, how do we get born again? Go to 1 Peter 1 real quick. I know I'm having you turn to some scriptures, but we need to see this. We don't have the ability yet to put them all on a screen, but uh, or else I would put some up there, but you need to see this. First Peter chapter 1. It's important that you see the Word of God for yourself so that you know that it's in there. Take notes. Write these things down. So how do we get out of the family of the devil? How do we get out of that family and into the family of God? First Peter 1 verse 23 it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. See, when you believed and received the word of God, his spiritual seed, which is not corruptible, but it is incorruptible. It's not corruptible by sin, by death. It doesn't decay. When you uh, receive that seed, you were born again, or you were fathered again. You see that? Just like they were born of their father when they received the words of Satan, of the serpent. We were born again when we received the words of God born of an incorruptible seed. Born again with what? The very life that's in that seed. The very life and nature that's in that seed, we were born again with. It's in us. But actually, something happened before that. that it, it, when John was, uh, when Nicodemus was asking him, how do I be born again? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, water in the word is also referred to as the word of God in the Bible. Let me give you a couple of scriptures about that. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. What's going on? What's going to cause the sanctifying and cleansing? The washing of the water by the word. 
that causes cleansing, that causes sanctifying or, or separating. It separates it from the filth. It separates it from the junk and cleanses it. That's what the word of God does. Jesus said in John 15, 3, now you are clean through the words that I have spoken unto you. His words, clean. The word of God is a cleansing agent. It is the water of the word of God. I found this interesting. Medical professionals suggest that before a pregnancy occurs, before conception, before seed and egg come together, that months and months before that occurs, that there be a detox done by the male and female, that there, uh, there should be a detox that takes place. Why? Because when they cleanse themselves of all the chemical toxins, environmental toxins, that gives the baby the healthiest possible environment to develop in when they get cleansed. So when you heard the word of God and you believed it and you received it, actually when you receive the word of God, you are receiving Jesus because Jesus is the word of God. So when you receive the word of God, what happens is you are cleansed of the filth, of the sin nature, of the toxins of the sin nature. And the incorruptible seed, the word of God, is actually conceived in you, and you give, uh, it gives birth to new life, to a new creature. Do you see that? The word of God cleanses you of all the sin nature, and it comes inside of you, conceives, gives new birth to a new life, and now you are born again. You are born again. Actually, that word born, which means it's also translated begat, begot, or fathered, that is the Greek word ganaho. Ganaho, which is spelled G, if you're interested in these things, G E N N A O. That is where we get the word gene or genetics from. <laughs> so you could say it like this. When you heard the word of God and you received the word of God, you believed it, you received it, the word of God came in and cleansed you of all the filth of the sin nature, the incorruptible seed came inside of you, conceived and gave birth to new life, and you were born again or fathered again, or you could say it like this, you were regened. You received new genes. You were gened again. Titus 3, 5 says, by his mercy, he saved us by, with the washing of regeneration, or you could say washing of regeneration. That is actually what is happening. You are receiving new genes when you are born again. You are completely, see, inside of a seed is a gene code, and the genetic code of the seed determines the life that it will produce. The, the DNA cells in a seed determines what that seed is going to be. You don't plant an oak tree seed and get a palm tree. Do you see that? So the very seed that was planted in us, the incorruptible seed of the word of God, caused his life to be reproduced in us. That's why we needed to be fathered again. That's why we need to be begat again, because we needed a new seed. We needed an incorruptible seed, not a seed that was caused 
uh, that caused sin nature to run through us. We needed new genes now. We need to be regenerated now so that we are a completely new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Those old genes, those not, I'm not talking about Levi's. I'm talking about those old genetics. They're gone. That's not who we are anymore. We have new genes now. There is a new gene code going through our spirit, a new DNA going through our spirit. And it is from the seed, the incorruptible seed, which is the very life of God. That life is in us now. Those genes are in us now. Second Peter 1.3 says this, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you may, might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, now, as children of God, we have a new nature. We have a divine nature. It is when God spoke, Lord, help me get this out. When God, when God spoke and we received the word of God, the life that is in that word, the life that is in that seed, literally conceived in us a new life. We are a new species of being that never existed before. The life of God is in the inside of us. And his life is not subject to death and decay. His life is not subject to failure and defeat. His life is constantly reproducing life inside of you. It is constantly working life on the inside of you, overcoming life on the inside of you, victory on the inside of you. It cannot fail. You know how the Bible says love never fails? That means love cannot be defeated. It cannot lose. This life in us cannot fail. It cannot lose. It's the very life of God that's inside of us, that's working all through our, our spiritual genes. And now that is determining who you can be, what you can have, and who you are now. Who you are in Christ now is a person that's been regenerated with the word of God, with the incorruptible seed. Glory to God. See, you don't have to try to find out who you are as far as your genealogy. Actually, that word, ganaho, is also the word where we get our word genealogy from. See, you have a new genealogy now. Your genealogy is easy to trace right now. You are born of God. Somebody said, do you know who your father is? Yes. Who's your daddy? God. God's my father. This is real. The spiritual birth, rebirth, is just as real and more real as the natural birth. There is a spirit world and a natural world. We were literally reborn spiritually. See, so yeah, you don't have to go on, you know, some DNA website to find out who you are. Who you are now is easy to trace. You're from God. You know, I had some friends that, I'm not saying if you want to find out who you're, you know, I understand there's people that have been in situations, they're adopted or whatever, and they may want to know who's my, my dad, my father. And, and I'm saying any of those things are wrong, any of those things are bad, as long as you are not looking to that to get your identity. Because your identity does not come from that. 
Your identity comes from who you are in Christ now, from your father that you have been reborn from. That's where your identity comes from. But I had some friends that were, you know, they were finding out uh, about these things. They did this DNA test to find out their ethnicity, their percentage. You know, you can do that. It'll tell you your percentage of ethnicity. And they're finding out, man, I'm, I'm 5%, you know, Native American. I'm 10% European and all these things. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's great, you know. And they're like, man, are you going to do that? Are you interested? I'm like, not really. I don't care. They're like, you don't really care. They found this strange. And I'm like, man, me finding out that I'm 30% Spaniard ain't going to help me win no spiritual battles. It ain't going to help me in life. I can't rebuke the devil with that. I can't be like, devil, I'm a conquistador, 30% Spaniard. What? They ain't going to help. How is that going to overcome in life? Somebody said, man, I found, I found out I'm 0.5% Irish. Well, great. You think the, you're going to rebuke the devil? I got that fighting Irish blood in me, laddie. What is, that ain't going to help you win no spiritual battles. Your natural ethnicity is not going to help you overcome in this life. That is not who you are anymore. I can't go to the devil and be like, devil, I'm Puerto Rican. You know, boxing runs in our country. You cannot fight the enemy. And circumstances in life, identifying with your natural identity. You can't worship God identifying with your natural identity. You can't. You come to him in spirit and in truth. That's the type of worshipers he's looking for, not people that say, oh, I'm Italian and I worship you. You cannot reach God with your physical identity or your natural identity. We are new creatures in Christ now. We are children of God. That's what I want to find out about as far as my ancestry. I want to find out who I am as a child of God now, who I am in Christ now, because that's my real genealogy. That's going to help me determine what my purpose is, what my identity is, what I'm called to do in this life now. Paul didn't say, I'm praying that the Lord would give you the spirit of wisdom and understanding so that you can find out your natural identity. No, he didn't pray that. He said, no, because now there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ. And actually, right before that, he said, for you are all the children of God in Christ Jesus. We're all one in Christ now. So all of our genealogy, we can easily trace. We're all from God. That is how you determine who your spiritual family is. People say, hey, we're all brothers and sisters. Not really. Not if we don't have the same father. Not if you're not born again. We're only brothers and sisters if we all have the same father. If we all been born again. If we have the spiritual incorruptible seed in us then we have the same family and have the same father. Amen? But let's see, what did Paul pray? Go to Ephesians 1 real quick. Ephesians 1. Man, I still got a bunch of notes. We, we good? We good? Everybody's good, right? If you have to go, just be quietly slide out, but I want to finish this. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, Paul prayed this. This is Ephesians 1 prayer. We prayed this a couple weeks ago. 
verse 16, it says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. There is an inheritance that belongs to the saints. Who are the saints? We are the saints, the people that have been reborn, who have been fathered again. Now he is our father, and our father has an inheritance for us. Now that we're his children, now that we're in the family of God. Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. See, God is my father. Say, actually say that. Say, God is my father. I'm his child. And his life lives inside of me. See, now what can determine what you can have? What can determine who you are? You know, the world will say that there are a, a number of different things that determine what you can have, who you can be, who you are. Uh, they'll say that there's genetic determinism, there's psychic determinism, uh, there's environmental determinism, you know, genetic meaning that because it ran in your family, because it, that's in your genes, in the genetic code of your family, it runs in your family. It could be something as far as personality, your temper, the way you act, that because it runs in your family, that's going to be who you are. Or because of uh, psychic determinism, maybe there were some things that happened to you as a child, some, uh, some things that happened in your childhood that determines who you are. Or environmental, you're a product of your environment. And some of those things, and, and there are some truth to those things because we were born in this world. So there is a truth to that. But now that we have been regened, now that we have been refathered, that does not have to hold us bondage anymore. We are not bound to that anymore because we have literally been fathered again. The, and those genes now can work in you to cause maybe what happened in your childhood to be destroyed and breathe life where there was no life. See, corruptible seed, maybe some things happen where some uh, trust died in your life because of words that were spoken to you. And some confidence died. It decayed because that's what corruptible seed does. Corruptible seed decays. It causes death. Death in your vision. Death to anything that you could have had hope in. Death inside of you death to your security and who you are. See, some of those things are true, and that's happened to people, but now the incorruptible seed of God has come on the inside of you and has caused a life. The life of God on the inside of you can bring life where there was no life before. Maybe you didn't have any vision before. The Word of God can bring vision by bringing the life of the Word of God to you. What is eternal life? Eternal life, 1 John 5.11, you don't have to turn there. 1 John 5.11 says, And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in 
his son. He that hath the son has life. Do you have the son? Then you have eternal life. See, eternal life, again, that's one of those things that you can hear so much that you just think it means a certain thing. Eternal life doesn't just mean living long. It doesn't just mean living a long time. Like, I have eternal life. That means I'm going to live forever. No, eternal life is who God is. It's who he is. Actually, in other places, it says he is eternal life. Eternal life is the nature of God. That is what he is. And eternal life, like I said before, is a life that cannot die. Not just die like a death where you no longer exist. I'm talking about you had some dreams, allow some eternal life to get in there. God gave you some visions, allow some eternal life to get in there and breathe it back to life. Eternal life, see, dead, something that is dead has no vision, has no hope. There's nothing in it that looks like it can produce anything. But you get some life in it, it can reproduce. The life of God, his life will reproduce in us life. Life in your career, life in your family, life in your relationships, life in your marriage. His life will produce life in your family, in your life, in your life. Amen? Let me, uh, hmm, running short on time here, but let me go to... We'll probably close with this scripture. Go to 1 John 5. You're already in 1 John, right? Uh, I, I was, okay. Go to 1 John 5. Eternal life, incorruptible seed. Um, man, you know, who we are now is not determined by the life that we used to have. But we have to stop identifying with who we used to be. We have to stop. I, you know, I grew up in the, in the housing projects of Milwaukee. But that does not determine what I can be and who I can be and what I can have. I might have saw, you know, destruction, decay, no hope and no vision around me. But I don't have that vision on the inside of me because I have a new life on the inside of me now. I have eternal life, and I see everything through that lens now. I see everything through the life of God now, not in who I used to be, not, when, not in where I came from. But we have to stop identifying with who we used to be. 1 John 5 says this, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. Go down to verse 4 for sake of time. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Have you been born of God? Yes, if you receive Jesus, you have been born of God. Then you have been regened. You have new genes in you. And those genes, the genetic code of those genes, are those of an overcomer. If you are born again, God is your father. And what does it say? Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. 
The spirit of the overcomer is on the inside of you. The one who has overcome is on the inside of you. That is actually your nature now. You were born an overcomer. You were reborn, refathered, fathered again as an overcomer. Those are the genes inside of you. It is working in you all the time to produce overcoming life on the inside of you now. Overcoming life. Jesus said this in uh, John 16, 33, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus, the overcomer, the spirit of the overcomer, is on the inside of us now. When we receive Jesus, we receive the spirit of Jesus. We were reborn, and that very nature is on the inside of us now. We inherited his nature, and now we're just born to overcome. Somebody said, I was born that way? Yeah, I was born an overcomer. I'm born to overcome. Somebody say, I was born to overcome. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It's our faith, though. We can know this, but we have to walk it out by faith. We have to live this by faith. We have to identify with this by faith, by faith. See, it, it does no good to be born away and not walk in it. It'd be like if you knew of a billionaire and he had a son that was now in his late 20s, but he was living like he was poor. He was living on the streets. You'd be like, don't you know who you are? Yeah, I know who I am. Well, aren't, why aren't you walk? Why are you, why are you here? Why aren't you out there living in a mansion, eating good? Uh, uh, I don't know. See, it's not just enough to know it. We have to, by faith, identify with that now. We have to say, I am born to overcome. Overcome what? Jesus said, I've overcome the world. What is the world? Everything in the world that keeps you from what you are supposed to have now in Christ. Everything in the world that would have come between you and God, you and your purpose, any depression, any anxiety, any mental issues, anything that is causing some resistance between you and your God-given purpose, who you are, what you're supposed to do, you've overcome that. You are an overcomer. The DNA, the gene code is in you to overcome it. So if it's causing some resistance in your life, if it's causing some pressure, some anxiety, some worry, some strife, you are born to overcome it. If, some, some, if it's some sin that you feel bound to, you were born to overcome it because that is the nature of who you are now. That is the life that is in you. Overcoming life, eternal life is a life that overcomes that is your nature now. Say, I am born to overcome the world. But it's your faith. It's your faith. So if it's in this world, just know it can't defeat me. It can't defeat me. If it's in this world, think about that. If it's down here on this earth and it's something that you're dealing with, you were born to overcome it. You were born to overcome it. God would not allow anything in this life that we are not able to overcome, that his spirit would not enable us and empower us to overcome. We're overcomers now. Say, I'm an overcomer. I was born an overcomer. All right, stand up with me, please. We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.